I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field, not you. Stick to your job and I will do mine. If I hear you shouting for anything again, I'm going to be penalising you. This is not soccer. Is that clear? Back you go and get on it again. Hi guys, it's uh, this is Cammy Black for the Scottish Rugby Blog Podcast. It's episode four and we're going to be uh, previewing the Wales game and talking about the Glasgow and Edinburgh matches that have just gone. Uh, with us we've got Rory Baldwin. Hello. Brody Smithers. Hello. And joining us this week we've got Rory Campbell. Hi there. Uh, Rory, it's your first week here so you get to tell us what club socks you'd wear if the Barbarians called you up. Yeah, well, I've got two socks, like most people. I think the first one would have to be my home club, Melrose. Played with them really through the age groups. and Not really as much anymore, because my second sock, which would have to be one of the black macron socks of Scottish rugby referees. That's where I find myself most Saturday afternoons. And, yeah, not quite as stylish as the black and yellow of Melrose, but decent sock nonetheless. Fair enough. I did wonder whether or not the referees got to choose socks, uh, the referee, the Barbarians matches, but didn't have a chance to look it up. Does anybody know... No, I've got no idea. No, fair enough. Okay. Um, okay, we're going to start with the Glasgow game. Glasgow lost 37-17 to Ulster. Uh, Rory, you watched the game, didn't you? I did, yeah, for my sins. For your sins. is I mean, ha, John's report that's on the blog um, seemed to be a bit more positive about the result than maybe uh, it might appear. I mean, is is it time to panic for Glasgow or... Was it as bad as the scoreline suggests? I'm I'm not sure. I mean, I think yeah, the the, the two tries that they got at the end kind of flattered them a little bit. Um, I think they basically just they were you know they were trying too hard. Um, if you could distill Tooney on his worst days into a performance, it would have been something a little bit like that. Um, I mean, almost nothing that Horn or Pergos were trying. You know, it came off. They were balls were bouncing off people and missed passes and you know they, they just look, they both look very rusty um i mean the, the probably the saving grace in the game was scott cummings who got them within within having a shout of two bonus points that they didn't really deserve um with his two late late tries and you know he'd been playing the whole game putting putting heaps in and he still had enough energy to to do a sort of kick and chase that john welsh would have been proud of and a, <laughs> get a, a dubious grounding on it and then uh, score a more sort of traditional try. So I mean, yeah, he he's probably the the bright spark. He he might even be more exciting talent than Johnny Gray, which which would be saying something. But I think yeah, else, elsewhere in the team, I mean, you know, we know we know that Glasgow suffer because they have so much, they contribute so many people to Scotland. Um, but I don't know how you fix that other than by Glasgow generally not being as good and not sending as many people to Scotland, which is not really what we want to see. Well, I was wondering about this in the weekend. Um... Well, looking back at the last two seasons, the one where Glasgow won and then last season, um, Glasgow have maybe been fortunate in the the draws they've had during the Six Nations. Um, I know in the season they won, uh, they played Zebra twice. So, I mean, Brody, do you think there's a case maybe for the Pro 12 taking a bit more of a break during the Six Nations? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, all teams are just about equally um, sort of depleted by the international um, call-ups from what I can see. Um, the exception used to be Connacht, but you know that's not so much a case anymore. Um, I think Glasgow seem to be dealing with this by shipping in quite a few um, players from the Southern Hemisphere anyway, so maybe that's the kind of long-term plan. Well, yeah, maybe in the past though, they had the likes of Josh Strauss and um, etc. who weren't quite ready for Scotland and were waiting in the wings, but I'm not sure there's anybody in that situation at the moment. No, but um, the, who was the guy they signed today? The flanker from Super Rugby. Gribbins, or Gribbin, Gribbins, I think it is, Gribbins, or Gibbons. Gibbons, yeah. Right, so, you know, at least three years on residency if he's going to look for a, uh, a sort of Scotland qualification. And, you know, I suspect this may be the start of things to come. Um, I think Tooney's sort of approach was Fijians. That was his kind of... Um, approach to sort of doing it and that's worked quite well but um, be interesting to see what the new coaching setup do with it given that their background is in Super Rugby 
Yeah, they seem to be bringing over quite a few guys from um, Super Rugby. There's Ollie Kebble and then, is it Gribbins or Gibbons? Gribbins. I'll find it. Gibbons. Gibbons. According Gibbons. Like like the monkey-ish. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, Rui, do you think this is a case of um, Dave Rennie starting to exert his influence yeah, I think it's quite clear. Um, I saw what I read earlier that um, Gibbons has been coached. He's been coached by both Dave Rennie and Jason Hall-Halran. Um So I think that kind of shows what sort of angle they want to take. He's bringing across players that he knows and that he'll be comfortable with. And to be honest, I think it'll be quite an exciting signing for Glasgow. And do you think maybe there's a case um, that the fringe players for Glasgow and, and maybe Ember too just aren't getting good enough game time when the Glasgow and Ember squads are together. Um, maybe the Scottish Premiership isn't competitive enough or giving them enough of a test? Um, they are. I mean, it's tight, obviously, when you've only got two pro teams. There's only a limited number of players you can actually have on the pitch at any one time. But I think Tooney's done it well at Glasgow, bringing in the young players, Sadarcy Ray, Scott Cummings, who obviously had a great game at the weekend, starting to bring them into the professional game. And over time, if they're right, they'll start to develop and that should build to them getting more game time and on the pitch. Does anyone remember that um, sort of club that the SOU started called Gale Force, which was supposed to be for young developing and sort of fringe Edinburgh and Glasgow players? It was Gale, G-A-E-L Force. It's based in Stirling. It rings a bell. Yeah, it didn't last very long. But the kind of... Idea was to play them in the British and Irish Cup. Didn't there have a B team game or an A team game not that long ago between Glasgow and Edinburgh with the fringe players? They did it a couple of times last year, but um, for some reason it hasn't happened this season. Any idea what happened to Gale Force then, Brody? It's a mystery, but um, I'd certainly like to know. I'm pretty sure Scott Gemmell was in charge of it, but maybe. And this wasn't that long ago. This was probably about eight years ago, nine years ago, something like that. I mean, it was probably replaced by the uh, by the the BT Academy system they've got now. Four of them. Yeah, oh, I wonder if there's any Gale Force stash kicking around. That would be quite interesting. It, it sounds like a pretty bad Cayley band. Yeah, perhaps the sort of bands you get warming up at Murrayfield. <laughs> possibly, possibly. Yeah. Um, Roy, was there anybody at the in the Glasgow team that you felt were sticking their hands up for a? Uh, a, a place in, in the matchday squad against Wales? Um, I suppose Pergos stuck his hands up by virtue of nobody else sticking their hands up, but I mean, he didn't have a particularly great game, so I can't see him starting anywhere other than sitting on the bench. Horn, Horn just looked, looked rusty. He, just, I think he was just a little bit too keen to say, I'm, I'm ready, you know, I can, I can be, that I can sit on the bench for Scotland as well. And I think he probably just needs a, a few more games. Um, he's been out for a wee while. Um, I thought uh, Alex Allen is going going quite well, um, and he he did he did a few a few good things. Um, you know, there's some there's some some youngsters coming through, but yeah, I think that it's just they aren't getting enough game time. And it's, it's I guess it's certain positions. I mean, if you're a second row, Scott Cummings probably would have had heaps and heaps of games, but because of all the sort of second row injuries they've had until recently, and but obviously he was one of them, um, and that's why Glasgow have been signing up second rows to as cover um so i think it probably some of the some of the youngsters who need the extra game time certainly like the props are probably struggling because puafisi's been okay and gordy reed's been going okay so you know they haven't they haven't had a look in whereas in in the positions where they they need the youngsters they've either been injured or they don't have any and then did i mean i saw bits of the ember game did anybody catch the ember game you were tweeting partially through it rory um yeah, I think I was uh, might have been cooking or something and kind of half half watching it. Um, I remember I remember seeing. I think I had the sound off again, so I I couldn't see much of what was going on. But yeah, it was um, it was one of those one of those funny ones where I mean they actually had quite a good first half. They were um, they weren't that far adrift, and then they just came out and the Leinster started blowing away. Well, yeah, I think I watched the first half. And again, I didn't really understand how Edinburgh managed to be where they were come half time. Um, and again, I think, like I said last week, they, they're not lacking in, in decent players. They just look really badly organised and badly coached. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, there was a moment in the first half where Dupree emerged from the back of the scrum, and only to be met by uh, Hidalgo Klein, who both of them just wondering what 
each other was doing there. And yeah. I think shortly after, a couple of movements later, you have the lens to try. And, and that is something that shouldn't really be happening. Did you see it, Brody or Ruri? I watched it, yeah. Um, it was, I mean, I have to say, there was, for every good intention, an attempt at free-flowing rugby, um, you know, there was a horrible mistake and a subsequent punishment by Leinster. It was, it was a bit of a shame. I um, mean, the props stood up well. It was, like you say, a few individuals had good games. I mean, there is good in this Edinburgh team. I can feel it. But, I mean, you know, Tom Brown's knock-on at the end of the first half was, for me, a kind of epitome of, of that kind of what they're trying to do and sort of failing quite badly. You know, crossfield kick by Dunkey Weir and it's all going well and he just, you know, I don't know if that's lack of confidence or concentration or whatever it is. I mean, he was obviously gutted. I mean, my toes could not curl further back in my, <laughs> in my socks for him. But, you know, and I don't want to pick on Tom Brown because, you know, he's a, uh, you know, he's a, he's a good solid pro. But that for me was just kind of like, it kind of epitomised what was going on with Edinburgh. Did you see the game, Rory? Yeah, I only saw the last 20 minutes of it, but I think it's a big contrast from Ulster last week. Uh, I did the report for the blog, and we saw there that Edinburgh completely lost it in the first half and only actually started to fight for it at the start of the second and towards the end. Then this week it was the complete opposite, and in the last 20 minutes I saw in Edinburgh how they had a chance uh, Lens ran a couple of tries and that was it for them. Yeah, I think you probably started watching it the moment that I switched over to watch the Saracens Gloucester game that was free on BT Sport, <laughs> um, which um, I think I probably switched over at the right time. But yeah, I think so. Yeah, was there anyone for you, Rudy, that sort of stuck the hand up in that Edinburgh game for a, a place in the matchday squad against Wales? To be honest, not really. I mean, I always talk about Magnus Bradbury and how he should be at least training with the squad, but. Um, Again, he didn't really get the best opportunity to say I should be in the back row next week. I mean, the sp- I was looking at it today, and on paper, the, the spine of that Embra team, and, and there's been a lot of talk this year, it seems to be the, the in thing to talk about the spine of a rugby team, but on paper, the spine of the Embra team with all the internationals there, on paper, isn't that bad. No, it's good. And, um, you know, I think Toulouse is underrated. For me, I'd probably have... Um, Mr. Gilchrist out and Toulouse in the Scotland squad. You know, his line-out work's excellent. Um, and, you know, hey, Richard Cockrell's coming in, so, so things have just got very, very real at Edinburgh. Um, and there's going to be a, a bit of a shake-up in the dressing room because, um, you know, Cockrell's already talking about direction, leadership and steel and using words like combative and, uh, you know, getting the set piece right and things like that. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of physicality coming um, their way in training and whatnot. Um, I think it was Lewis Moody said they'll not have done contact like this before in their lives in training with, with cockers. And, and uh, Rory, I know um, on the blog and on Twitter this week a lot of people have been concerned maybe that Cockerell's approach isn't a million miles away from Alan Solomon's, but um, you know Saracens and Munster have built empires on dull defensive efforts, so maybe there is reason to be hopeful. Yeah, I mean, you could probably argue that Leicester almost um, built empire an empire on Cockerell's kind of dull, dull rugby for a while. Um, you know, they've been incredibly successful in in recent years. Maybe not immediately recent, but um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think we we kind of have to give him the benefit of the doubt. Everyone knows, you know, for all the for all the ranting he does in post match interviews and stuff, that maybe doesn't uh, make him. Make him come across the best when he's on. He's on the other team. I guess if if he's your coach, um, you know at least that he's going to be well prepared and he's going to put out solid sides. He's not going to accept um, some of the kind of drops drops in performance that we've been used to from Edinburgh. So, um, I mean, yeah, he may be on the you know they may all may all act like prima donnas and he'll be on the end of a sort of another dressing room revolt, or he might get them you know working working hard and. You know, there's there's the the basis of I've said this, I think I said this last week. There's the basis of a really good pack in there, um, and that's really his area of expertise. So if he can get that, if he can get that pack out and sort of monstering its way around the Pro 12, then uh, then all they have to do is find a backline from somewhere. And and Rui, do you want to take a stab at who in that Ember team is going to fall out with Richard Cockrell first? Um, I think it's 
could probably going to be one of the backs, if I'm honest. Um, Son will try something a bit too fancy for his liking. Um, and you never know. I think, to be honest, people Rich Cocker was going to get most angry with, and I've mentioned this in the comment of the week, is probably the refs. I mean, you've seen what it's like in the Premiership, and if he comes up here, you just imagine he's not going to be too happy with some of the decisions that go his way. So maybe a, a, a Nige and a Cockerell showdown in the making? Oh, it could be quite interesting. <laughs> um, we'll move on to the Wales game then. Um, Scotland faced Wales on Saturday in what's been a bit of an ill-tempered, closely fought fixture over the past few years. Um, out of the starting lineup in Paris, there's only Laidlaw and Strauss unavailable. Um, both are out for the rest of the tournament. So, Brody, do you think Scotland largely stick with the same team that started in Paris? I think they will, yeah. Um, and I think I can see the front five being unchanged now that Fraser Brown has um, been given the all clear. Um, I think we'll see a back row of Wilson, Watson, and Barkley. Barkley at eight. Um, and. I hate to say it, but I think he's going to go with Pergos and an unchanged backline behind him. I think the only place you'll really see any changes is on the bench. So what's the reason you are thinking he's going for Pergos over Price? I just think Pergos is as close as the squad has got to a Laidlaw substitute. And I think that's a very clear game plan from Carr, that he wants a kind of tactical um, a tactical nine. Rui, would you agree with that, that... that Cotter's married to the idea of a sort of petty general marshalling his troops. Yeah, well, I think the fact that he sticks with Laidlaw for quite often, he'll play for 80 minutes, shows that he's kind of unwilling to give Price a full chance unless absolutely necessary. Uh, I was the same as Brody. I've got Henry Burgos on my starting team as well. Uh, Rory, are you going to dissent or disagree with them, or do you think that's what's going to happen? I would very much like to disagree with them. Um, I'd, I mean, I'm sure the guys would probably rather see Price starting as well but um, I mean I can see Cotter going for it but you've got you've got to think if he if he watched that game the Ulster game Pergos just he wasn't you know his, I don't know what his form just seems to have dropped off a bit and you're going to stick him in against Wales who are going to sort of come at Scotland harder than Storm Doris will <laughs> and try and you know just I mean they're going to basically do what they, they tried to do to, to England it's just just huge huge amounts of intensity and I mean some of our team may be held together with sticky blasters so um, you know it's great news that, that we've got Hardy, Barkley, Fraser Brown and Dunbar back fit but how fit are they I mean you know they're fit, they're fit to train but are they fit to go 80 minutes with with Wales who you know if Wales win this then then they're in the, they're still in tournament contention the same same as we are so there's like you know there's a lot on the line for both sides and their Wales are not scared of coming to Murrayfield and winning um I don't think I can't remember the last time I saw Wales um, get beaten at, at Murrayfield. There was one a few years ago, but I wasn't at it. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I would I would like to see Bryce play because the sort of game that he'll get them playing, provided you know the the house party doesn't break out again, um, is is going to be more. It's going to be more cause more trouble for Wales if we sort of come at them with Gatlin ball light with Pergos kind of marshalling the troops and trying to get our semi-battered forwards to break through the Welsh line. I just don't see that happening. And he's, I mean, I was wondering today whether or not there's a, a case for having, starting with three open sides against Wales, maybe, you know, hoping that somebody's told John Hardy that he's Richie McCaw and, and, and sticking him on um, with um, Barkley and Watson. Um, but, Bro, do you think Wilson's likely to start? I do, yeah. Um, I imagine John Hardy's probably had to watch the uh, the tape of the France game a few times because he won't remember any of it at all from start to finish um, because he got such a hit in that game. But I, I just don't know. I think he'll go with Wilson because he seems to be quite wedded to Wilson. He's got a lot of line-out moves that involve Wilson. And, you know, yeah, I think he'll stick with that. He's, as much as he makes his squad's brave in what they try to execute he's not or doesn't strike me as a risky kind of selector if you like I don't think he goes for bolters or he doesn't he doesn't sort of like to take those sort of risks and the, if you notice the players that he does bring in to replace other ones are, are generally like for like um, so I think he'll go back to what he started with which is Wilson um, Does anyone want to take a guess when Scotland last beat Wales? It's I think it's within the 
lifetime of the blog because Al Kerr was at it. And I remember him, he flipped some tickets. Either that or it was just before it. So with it sort of in the in the two thousands, I would say certainly probably two thousand five onwards, some point. Ten uh, ten years ago, two thousand and seven, twenty one nine. Um, so yeah, ten years this year since Scotland, and that's the last time Scotland beat Wales as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and both Wales and Scotland ended up joint bottom of the Six Nations that year, which I, uh, Italy ended up fourth, um, which I don't remember that- happening. Was that the year? No, that can't have been. Which was the year with the crazy Phil Godman moment, ten minutes of madness at the start of the, the Italy game? Was that that year? Um, there was every or chance was that it was that year. Yeah. Um, I'll have a look at the fixture, the results. Um, Rory, who you, would you pick as captain then with Laidlaw out? Uh, I think I'd have to go for Barkley. Um, obviously, he was vice captain whenever for his fleeting moment against France, but. He is a player with experience. I know um, him and uh, so you haven't always seen eye to eye, but I hope he'll be given his chance against Wales. And um, Brody, do you agree with that? Yeah, I'd, you know, I think Barclay's probably the next sensible option. Um, you know, Pergos hasn't been in this squad. He would be a shout. Johnny Gray, I don't think, is quite there yet. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think the one to watch for me in this game is going to be Alwyn Jones versus the Gray boys um i think in terms of lions selection that's probably going to be the the second row any any other key battles for you rory um hamish watson versus uh, the entire welsh back row probably <laughs> um there's uh, yeah there have been a few a few suggestions for your uh, for your your nickname nicknames i saw um, is, yeah well i'm good i'm going to deal with that in comment of the week i'm going to announce the winner uh, okay there's also someone trying to uh trying to get Hamish Watson to be the new um, new thread of Chuck Norris jokes, but uh, I don't know if that I don't know if that'll catch on. Um, yeah, I think uh, um, I mean it doesn't really matter which back row Wales pick. You know they've got four guys. Any three of those four is going to be some unit, um, and Hamish Watson's going to have to try and find a find an improbable way through way through them. But he always seems to manage okay. So I mean I think that. You know they shouldn't be scared of the guys. They play them week in, week out. But just Wales are one of these funny teams where their players can be actually not that good in the the Pro 12 or even in Europe. But then you stick them in a red shirt, and and they just go up like two or three levels. Um, Falatau is maybe the weak spot. We don't know how 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 fit he is back from uh, back from injury. But I mean, you know, he's not lacking in basic skills or anything like that. So uh, yeah, I think the the back row and how they how they manage the breakdown. Um, whether you know whether we can sort of compete with them, whether they whether they sort of leave us to it, um, or whether they try and batter us off it, it will be an it'll be an interesting approach to see which you know which which balance they pick. Uh, I think as as you said earlier, as Brody said, um, yeah, it's looking like a Wilson, Watson, Barkley. Um, I think Barkley is definitely the the man to to lead the side, um, just because he lives behind enemy lines. So who better to to be sitting there sh- shouting at the more shouting at the ref? Yeah, and and Ruri, who have you gone for in the backs? I mean, are you staying the same, or do you think there'll be any changes? Yeah, well, I think with Maitland uh, confirmed as fit for the weekend, the starting back line will be the same. But the one change I'm hoping to make is that Matt Scott will come in instead of Mark Bennett. I think, obviously, Gloucester beat Saracens again at the weekend. Matt Scott starting again. And the form he's been in at Gloucester has to be recognised at the international level. Duncan Taylor played in that game as well, didn't he? He didn't know. Um, that's the reason Maitland played. Ah, um, I thought he did. I thought he yeah, came. no. Um, Taylor apparently um, the whatever injury he had, I can't remember his knee or head injury. Um, they're both um, far apart, but um, it's worse than first thought. So it sounds like he might be out for a little bit longer. Yeah, I mean, he was he was supposed to be starting at full back, and then he was pulled out before kickoff, and Maitland. Him, but I'm pretty sure I saw pictures of him this week training with Scotland. So I mean, he's still, whatever it is, he's still kind of. I think he's come back up to camp. So, well, that's maybe good news. Um, but Rui, you think maybe um, given Bennett's recent performances, that Scott's got a bit more to offer? Yeah, well, I think he just needs to be given the opportunity, and that's the problem. He hasn't yet. Bennett has been, yeah, he has his moments, but he hasn't really done too much special. I think Matt Scott just goes. Um, a different alternative, and I think he should be given his chance. And Brody, would you agree with that? I mean, is that uh, 
you know, um, Rui's gone for the same back line, but maybe Scott from the bench. Yeah, I mean, I said uh, at the start there that I think if there's any changes, it will come on the bench. And I think, um, yeah, that's probably a, a good shout. Um, I haven't seen much of Matt Scott, but, you know, um, I hear he's improved his game um, down there. So, yeah, why not? And Rory, what sort of bench do you think we'll see this weekend? Um, I think you've got your super super sub Tim Swinson will be be on there. I think yeah, probably we'll probably see Pergos come on to the bench if if he doesn't start. Um, there may have been an argument for for putting Horn in ahead of Weir, but Weir actually had an all right game for for Edinburgh, and uh, Horn did not have a particularly great game for Glasgow. So yeah, I don't I, I don't think it'll change much other than. Uh, other than the, uh, maybe a question mark over Ben, as the guys have said, and possibly in the in the back row, um, probably they were they were thinking Cornell Dupree might come into it at this point, um, but then everyone was pronounced fit, so it'll probably be Hardy again if he doesn't Hardy or Wilson, whichever one doesn't start. But uh, you never know; they might just want to go for someone who's you know nominally completely fit. Given um, Maitland's potentially not a hundred percent or. Whatnot, you might see Visser come onto the bench, mm-hmm. yeah, um, just to cover him in there. But you know, I think Gav said in the first pod that Hugh Jones is potentially can play virtually everywhere, so that might be the cover on the wing. Um, I, I rewatched Wales against England to sort of have a look at what they do a bit closer, and it, you know, they seem like a bit of a team that are a bit kind of schizophrenic in many ways. You, they don't seem to hold that kind of counter-attacking threat that they used to hold but their defence seems particularly fierce, they seem to go for a kind of two-man one go low, the other try and strip the ball approach, so I think there's a kind of a bit of a, a sort of Sean Edwards heavier Sean Edwards influence on that team um, it kind of reminds me of, uh, I don't know what it was like at your school but you know if you had like a psychotic PE teacher who was just a complete rag and then the headmaster would come in and he'd be all like yes yes everybody listen to Mr Howley and everything's fine and then he'd just be completely mental again the minute he was gone that I think is Sean Edwards um, and I think you know the defensive line is so flat coming up that they're you know they're practically in 2D and I don't know. I just, I just kind of get the feeling that, for all that Rob Howley's trying to do for them, Sean Edwards is probably in the background the minute he's out of the room, going, "Here's what you do in attack. You prepare for a counter attack. It's defense, defense, defense." You know, um, so the intensity's still there, but I just don't think they're that kind of um, potent in the counter attack anymore. And they maybe don't have as much of an impact from the bench as they once had either. Um, uh, I'm not sure that there's that much of a threat there waiting to come on? Um, well, I think actually players like Sam Davies and even Gareth Davies, so that's two halfbacks who, if Wales are behind by a couple of tries, can really bring in a strong attacking threat. So I think we have to be careful if they do decide to release them. But at the same time, last time against England, um, Rob Halley wasn't too keen to actually bring them on until very late in the game. So, Rory, do you want to have a stab at score prediction? Uh... <laughs> I, I do. You sound I do. I, to be asked I want that question. No, I do. I do want to. Uh, I want. I want to be. It's just. It's one of those games. I would. I would love nothing more than to see us beat Wales because, I, because I would love nothing more than to see us beat Wales. Um, I'm going to go for Scotland by one. I think it's going to be that close. That close. I mean, I it hope is, it's not. It, it is that thing. If this has become, and I don't know why, but but it has become a bit of a. Almost second, I think, to the Calcutta Cup in terms of teams that Scotland now want to beat in the Six Nations. Yeah, and I don't know whether it's just the last few games have been ill-tempered or or where that's come from. Has anybody got any theories? I blame it all completely and utterly on Mike Phillips. (laughs) (laughs) I actually like Mike Phillips. I think he is the epitome of the phrase "good rugby player, questionable human being." Mike Phillips is. A premiership footballer in a rugby player's body. That 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 is that that's quite the insult. Some of them do they do like a haircut. Some of them, but um. And and Rui, you want to take a stab at the score? Yeah, as Rory said, it could go either way. Uh, I'm going to say Scotland by three, just because I want to be the optimist. But as I said, Wales could take it very easily as well. It's going to be a tight game. Right, Brody, your turn. Are you going to be pessimistic or go with the others? Oh, um. You could pick. You could pick uh, Scotland by two. That would give the spread. 
It'll be one, either team by two, or it'll be a draw. Oh, draw. Oh, draw. Oh, oh well, we can always that we can always dream of that. Yeah, Cameron, you're not getting off the hook. Score prediction. A score prediction. Oh, um, I'm going to be really positive, and I'm going to say Scotland by ten. Just, nice. just to go, just to go off reservation. I'm going to say Scotland by ten. I think Wales will have a complete meltdown. I think there'll be at least two yellow cards and a bit of a fight. That's my prediction for the match. I think that's probably quite. That could be could be an accurate prediction. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see next week. <laughs> of course, you know you know you're going to have like Wales online looking for a, an interview with you now after you've said that because they'll just take that little Scotland going to win by ten says. Scottish Rugby website. Wait, I think I w- it came up on my Facebook memories the other week that you, Rory, had arranged for me to write for uh, some South African blog, and oh, where right. I had to I had to write my opinion on Scotland versus England, um, and some English person from a blog would write their opinion on um, the England side. I think you sold it to me on the basis that oh this is a re- they just want you to be tongue in cheek and take it as you know just have a bit of a laugh with it. So yeah. I went completely overboard, said that we were going to annihilate England, slagged off <laughs> their, all their players, said that Chris Robshaw um, was barely a decent club player, let alone in national standard, um, and the other guy Winston was Churchill was a bad man. Yeah, <laughs> Thatcher was. A- it was stuff, yeah. It was pretty. Much, I think I called the entire Eng- English nation arrogant and hor- you know a nation of horrible people. And the other guy, when the article was published, was completely reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's why the Welsh don't like us. Yeah, it's because I, that's why I don't like the English. Is because they can't fulfil a brief given to them. Um, yeah. <laughs> their tongues are not in their cheeks sufficiently. Far. No, it's exactly. Parody, it's parody. Comment of the week. Okay, guys, it's comment of the week. Uh, to be eligible for this, uh, to have your comment read out, uh, you have to leave a comment on the blog. We do like you to get in touch with us on Twitter at Scott Rugby Blog and on Facebook as well. But for this section, you do have to leave a comment on one of the articles on the blog. So, uh, Ruri, you're uh, new, so you can go first with yours. Great. Well, mine comes from uh, a guy called The Chill. I think he might have been on last week, actually, comment of the week. But he was commenting below the announcements about Rachel Cockrell. And he writes, excellent news. He didn't get Leicester to all those Premiership semis and finals just by shouting. He may be exactly the right man for the next two years. And the more interesting bit, I look forward to his views on the standard of Pro 12 refereeing. Things we touched on earlier. Uh, Cockrell is definitely going to make the post-match interview so slightly more interesting. Yeah, I wonder whether he'll remember to call it BT Murrayfield. Oh, that's going to be a challenge for him. Is that day one media training, do you think, for him? Yeah, he's going to need a bit of that, I think, with all the sponsorship. Um, Brody, who have you gone for? Um, mine is it was in response to a comment by you Cam and I think it was on the um, Revolving Door article about Gordy Reid and Josh Strauss anyway it involved uh, a guy called Finlay Christie who's Scottish born, moved to New Zealand when he was 7 and signed Mm. for the Chiefs Yes. and the comment was by Slowwalk90 and it was in response to reading his profile on the Chiefs website, and he just said, I'm sorry, but I don't think there's any room in our squad for someone that lists Pitch Perfect as his favourite movie of all time. <laughs> I don't, well, I suspect... Hard a, fair. Well, I think, I suspect there'll be, uh, having a look at Instagram and, twi- and, and Twitter feeds and things like that, I suspect there'll be a lot of fans of Pitch Perfect within the current Scotland setup, just maybe not as um, overt about it. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't see slow walk ninety. You can't see David Soul um, watching Pitch Perfect very often. But uh, oh, it's nothing to be ashamed of. It just is. <laughs> just that particular move. Just that particular move. Yeah, but he, he's he's ginger, so you know um, that's maybe something we're lacking in the team at the moment. And and Rory, what have you gone for for comment of the week? Um, I have gone for um, Busy Little Bee, who is. I know, I'm not sure. I'm trying, still trying to work out if he's trolling or not, and whether he, <laughs> whether he's welcome. But um, he's on the on the cockerel announcement. He said, I, "I think it's a very good move. He has a great pedigree and won't stand for the rubbish served up this season." Remember, it's only 15 months ago Edinburgh beat Glasgow twice, albeit with home advantage. He'll need to appoint someone to help sort the back line out, though. Basics like passing and kicking are poor. For that, I would look to Dan Parks' assistant coach to steady the ship <laughs> and get them nailing the basics and playing with proper structure. Now, it should be pointed out that Busy Little B, I'm pretty sure every comment he's made 
on the blog has been about Dan Parks. So whether he is Dan Parks or not, I don't know. But um, hopefully now that I've risen to his clickbait, he'll stop suggesting Dan Parks is the solution to everything. Um, although, if you know, if they do need a new, um, if you know, if Scott Johnson doesn't get his contract renewed and they do need a, a new director of rugby with a nice line in Aussie patter, maybe, maybe Parks <laughs> is the man for the job. I mean, we are coming up to the annual season of Welsh trolling on the site. I mean, this is normally the, the time of year that they pop up. Yeah. I mean, is there anything worse than a Welsh rugby troll? Um, not really. Not <laughs> not for someone not for someone who has to re- has to moderate their comments. There isn't. I don't know what it is with Welsh rugby trolls, but they always come at me with graphs every single time. I don't know if it's the same one, and I just forget about them, and I forget to block them on Twitter. But the number of Welsh rugby trolls that send me graphs and statistics. Um, yeah, I'm a pie chart. Yeah, exactly. Sorry for the comedy voice there, Wales. <laughs> my grandmother is Welsh, though. Some of my best friends. Some of your yeah, best friends are yeah. Welsh. That's fine. Some Welsh relatives, too. <laughs> I've got a brother called Gareth. That's as far as it goes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've gone for um, quite a few comments, actually. Um, we asked last week for nicknames for Hamish Watson, and we got quite a few suggestions on the blog. Uh, so thanks to Cubic Pair, Andrew McGavin, David B and Ross. Uh, we threw out to Twitter... And the votes are in, and Hamish Watson is now going to be known as Pinball. It's a massive forty-eight percent of the vote. Thoughts? Yeah, that's, that's a good one. It's whether nice. or not. Go on, Brody. Did you know that Hamish Watson has a hat company? Yes. Is it the we same Hamish Watson? Yeah, it is, absolutely. Yeah. It's him and his brother called uh, Rex Club Caps. Um, Plug. Yeah, but <laughs> same what, as what Caps. I got. What I've got to wonder is, you know, if he keeps sort of like putting his head in rocks, he's going to need a fairly sort of odd-shaped cap for his head. So maybe he's just sort of future-proofing his headgear. It's quite a niche market. But I think a, a pinball snapback cap would be awesome. Yeah. yeah. pinball Watson. Well, it's... Do we take 5% of that? I'm sure we could negotiate. Brody must have a contact. I'll speak to his brother. Yeah, tell, tell them tell, if you can get in touch with them in the next um, twelve hours, and tell them I'll cut that reference to their hat company unless we get free hats. <laughs> Excellent <laughs> ransom demand. <laughs> fantasy league, fantasy league. Scottish Rugby Blog, Fantasy Six Nations League. Okay, guys, um, we have got a Super Brew Fantasy League set up. You can find it on the blog. Um, we've already talked about um, how badly uh, myself, Rory, and Brody are doing. Although Brody managed to hide himself from the league until this week when he just added himself. So I have what... just, appro- I've just approved him this very second. Just approved him this second. Yeah, that, that I, I couldn't find him last time while we were recording this, and, and that's uh, why. That's why it's because he's been hiding. Uh, but Ruri, you've got a team. Do you know how many points you've got at the moment? Yeah, I'm currently 78th out of a hundred, just over 100. So not quite as bad as Rory, I think, who's back in 100. <laughs> yeah. But um, still not great. And to be honest, I was only saved last week by the fact that I made a controversial decision to pick Keith Earls as my captain. Uh, got me a couple of tries, but oh. not too many people were happy on Twitter, to be honest. That's that's probably the grim professionalism sort of thing that Richard Cocker will bring to Edinburgh's, you know. Everyone knows it's wrong, but we're going to do it anyway, and it's going to make us we'll score more points. <laughs> and, and any changes for you, Ruri? Anybody you, you're subbing out? Uh, I think I need to get rid of Laidlaw. Might put him on, his be- on my bench, but get rid of him quickly. And probably going to put most of the English backline who are spending a second fit, given the fact they're playing Italy this weekend. Uh, Rory, are you going for a similar approach? Yeah, I mean, I've got a couple. Uh, I've got to get, I think I've already got rid of Laidlaw and picked the, the French guy because, once again, I like the look of him rather than he's going to score me loads of points. But, I haven't, yeah, I haven't made the, made the, uh, the, pick, of the pick of the team. But, yeah, I think England, England backs um, probably want Farrell in as your kicker, I think, or your captain or something to, get, to hoover up as many points as you can. Um, France-Ireland is an interesting game. I'm not, not sure who could uh, who'll come out the winner in that one. So, uh, yeah, it could be could be uh, could be tricky, but my team will probably be yeah just just as bad as ever. <laughs> Brody, now you've come out of hiding. Any changes that you're going to make? Yeah, I'm hoping to improve on my 98 of 106 at some point. Um, I've 
similar to the the Ruri or Ruri and Ruri, I've gone for English players, um, shamelessly. I, I actually had a wee look through the league and I've picked out some uh, some of the names I quite like. So I've got three here: um, Nil Desperandum, Get Laid Lord, and the Crab being laid laws in 58th, 75th and 85th place respectively. And what I'm seeing is there's a direct correlation between the quality of the name and the lack of points. <laughs> <laughs> so are you saying that the, 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 the better names are down the bottom of the leaderboard? Correct. I'm assuming on Superbrew there's a kind of uh, name generator that involves yeah, a kind you, of uh, a funny word and an animal, yeah? Yeah, if you don't, if you don't pick a name, it'll just, it, it just makes, makes you a silly one. Right, so it was like the irrelevant porpoises. I was thinking, oh, that's quite yeah. clever. And then I just looked, they were all like that. And I was like, yeah, no, yeah. I'm annoyed. I mean, you never know. That, 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 that might be how the um, American Pro 12 teams will go about picking their names. Yeah. <laughs> hey, the irrelevant porpoises would be quite good. <laughs> the, irrelevant por- the Chicago irrelevant porpoises. <laughs> it's, got, it's got a ring to it, hasn't yeah. it? I, I have to say, uh, my biggest mistake in fantasy so far, other than the ones that we talked about last week was I put a shout out on Twitter for any back, uh, back three suggestions. And someone came back with Elliot Daly, which would have been great, except he's listed as a center in super Bruce. So you can't pick him. And then one of the guys from, uh, from blood and mud suggested, um, Nakitaki for France, who, um, then has been mostly anonymous. And it was the other big Fijian, um, winger that they picked that, that has been awesome. So thanks for that extremely rubbish bit of advice, guys. <laughs> Um, wonderful. Um, if anybody has got any advice for us, because we're all doing badly, I don't think any of us that write for the blog are actually doing well at all. Um, if anybody's got any advice, please do send it through to us, because uh, we need all the help we can get, obviously. It's the legally mandated lions chat. The legally mandated lions chat. We've heard so much about it that it makes us sick. But we've still got a chat about who Gatlin's gonna pick. Um, okay, guys, it's the legally mandated Lions chat. It's the relentless juggernaut uh, that's never going to stop. Um, even though there's not been any Six Nations this week, we're still going to have a bit of a chat. And I've asked the guys to pick out who their bolters are going to be. Uh, Brody, you've done a lot of work on this. Probably I'm more work than it warrants. Fifteen <laughs> minutes of rubbish Wikipedia scanning. Um, now, what I did was I looked at the... Um, Pro, t- Pro 12 player ratings, the top 14 player ratings, and the Aviva Premiership player ratings to see who was in form at the moment, who was potentially eligible and not in any of the Six Nations squads. So, three names that I came up with that were quite interesting was Rocco Daguni, Matthew Morgan, and Ian Madigan. And, and who is Rocco Daguni apart from a Marvel cartoon character? Uh, he is the Fijian-born English winger who played for the army and now plays for Saints, I think. I think it's at Bath. 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 It's all the same to me. Um, but he is meter, really high up in the meters gain chart. He's really high in the try scoring, clean breaks, all these kind of attacking, uh, finishing sort of statistics. He's really quite high, but not in the England squad. And anybody for you, Ruri? I mean, um, Shane Williams made a surprise appearance in 2013 at the age of 36 for midweek cover. Anybody you think might be a surprise? Um, the other one that's kind of come relatively unknown, but until really last weekend when he got a hat-trick for sale, was um, Denny Solomona. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, he's just converted from rugby league, but he's had seven tries in the past five games for the Sharks, who, if you want to start doing that well in the Premiership this season. And even in league, he was scoring a try pretty much every game he played. So, although he's not capped for England, I think he only qualifies in next month or two. He could be a surprise inclusion in Warren Gatland's squad. And Rory, I mean, there's quite a Southern Hemisphere flavour to those uh, names. I mean, is that something you think Gatland's going to look for in trying to take on the All Blacks? Yeah, possibly. I mean, it's something he it's something he looks for. I think you probably don't want the team to be too diluted with um, Aussies and Kiwis and stuff uh, because it's sort of removes the point a bit but at the same time you know who's not going to take cj stander on the tour um i've just written down your question any non-internationals and i've just written down if they do they won't come from scotland i think any scots players that do go are well known to us at the moment um i mean the names that you hear 
bandied about quite a lot are guys like Stefan Armitage and Nick Abenden and stuff who are playing in France and playing very well by by what we hear. But obviously, due to the plane over there, they're not getting picked for England. Whereas they, you know, if they were playing in this country, they probably would be starting for England. Um, so I don't know whether whether Gatton wants to to do that. I mean, I think he's a big fan of of combinations. So with that comes familiarity, I guess. Yeah, I mean, he and did um, he he did rule out Vern Cotter because Cotter had moved was moving to France. Mm-hmm. So whether or not he's more fixed on England, well, on on UK based players, I don't know. Tommy Taylor, the hooker at Sale, I believe it is, is getting a few shouts. Our friend of the pod and former writer, Alan Dimmock, has put him down as one of the possible non-international bolters for the Lions. I've not seen this kid play. Has anyone seen him? No. no. I haven't seen anything. Excellent. Conversational call to say. <laughs> well, I thought for a minute you were going to suggest Dimmock for a stuff for a bolter. Yeah. yeah, it's possible. Um, he was certainly uh, a good enough scrummager in his day. I uh, I haven't seen. It. I don't think I've seen a sales sharks game since. Probably Chris Custer was playing for them, so yeah, it would be no use. Yeah, and he is, is Custer. Is he is he making whiskey now? I think he's selling whiskey in in LA. Selling selling Scottish Scottishness to celebrities would I guess. Yeah, I'm not sure, but you know we would be happy to plug plug that as well, Chris. If you if you want to get in touch. Yeah, we can, we we know we know all the celebrities in America. <laughs> we were connected. Although I'm, I've, I was looking at the SoundCloud stats, and we do have listeners in America. Um, oh, well. So um, you know, if, if any of those are celebrities, and um, do you know um, feel that we could influence their whiskey buying choices, then let us know. That could be my brother. Uh, there's more than just one. Um, so do you know? You never know. Have hands in the ruck. It's our weekly look at what's been either annoying or bothering us this week. Um, Ruri, um, your your first podcast, first hands in the ruck. So, what have you gone for this week? Well, I was quite tempted to just have a big rant about Eddie Jones, but instead, I decided to pick the current scheduling battle. I think it's been suggested by World Rugby that they cut the Six Nations from seven down to five weeks, so removing any rest weeks. And unsurprisingly, that's had a bit of a backlash from the players. I think Xander Fagson was one of those who said that's ridiculous. Um, what does question, bring to question is the fact that World Rugby are doing so much to apparently um, help player welfare, so obviously the high tackle changes that have been made, but then they see, seems to be that they might even consider just removing any rest and putting players at even more danger, and especially at such a high level of Six Nations being such an intensive competition. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they actually go ahead with this or not. Yeah, I had something similar to that. I mean, I was. I mean, it was just in, on the point of Sean Maitland playing for Saracens, and I know he was a last-minute pick, but um, it, that seemed to me sort of to go against player welfare in terms of Maitland had just come away from a pretty bruising encounter with France, and yet England players arrested because of the agreement the RFU have with the Premiership Rugby, but Maitland's stuck on and plays sixty minutes in again another bruising encounter. What six days after the France game, so. I I would argue that there's more needs to be done to give players more rest. So I would agree with you on that, Ruri. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I would I would agree with that. I think it's a it's a silly idea, um, and it's probably driven by French and English clubs who want more space for their stuff. And World Rugby, you know, they're towing the line about player welfare, concussion, and stuff, and, and making strides in that direction. But um, yeah, the the English and French clubs, it strikes me that they just want to. They just want the Six Nations to um, stop impinging on their quest for to be the sort of dominant force in rugby um, ahead of international rugby. And and Rory, what what have you gone for this week? Um, I've gone for the Pro Twelve in America and Canada, um, which is basically um, they've they've been holding. I think they've been holding talks. Although they, uh, it came out today that they've actually been holding talks um, with the Georgians as well about uh, expanding the Pro 12 um, across to a, a potentially one franchise in America, presumably on the East Coast, and, and one in Canada. And this, to me, is a stupid idea. 
Um, not just because America is at the moment quite difficult to get into if you've got a beard, which means Glasgow wouldn't be able to take Josh Strauss with them. Um, <laughs> but it's just, I mean, it's this, it's similar with Super Rugby. I mean, I get I get why they do it. It's to it's to grow the game. It's to give the give the countries where there's not necessarily a full pro league a chance to to have some pro players of their own, and it you know it has worked for Argentina. Presumably, it will work eventually for Japan as well. And but I mean the. the the Super Rugby produces great players and produces great games, lots of t- scores and stuff. But as an actual tournament, it's it's just a sort of ludicrous thing. The spread out. I mean, you, even the coaches, they, nobody knows how it works or how you win the thing. You just keep playing until somebody tells you that you're in, a, in the knockout stages. Um, and I mean, they have all these funny groups and time zones. And, uh, and I mean, the travel on the players. I mean, we talk about player welfare, but, you know, the, the travel between, say, New Zealand and Buenos Aires is, must be ridiculous. Um, in terms of the wear and tear on the the bodies, and it's it's the same thing. You, you're diluting the the focus. I, I guess in an ideal world, each country would have its own pro league, and then you know the teams would play in the European competition or the the thing. But obviously, you know, I get that that's not practical. But I think just um, adding that much of a time zone jump in just to go and chase TV dollars is is that really going to be good for the game? I mean, I came up with um, an idea that possibly borrowed off uh, Rob Robertson of the. Um, where he's, I think he suggested that maybe a, a German team, you know, might be a, might be a better addition. Um, you know, Germany is one of these sort of countries that's often seen as a, like Russia as a kind of sleeping giant that if they ever got switched on to rugby could actually be quite, um, quite a force in the game. And I mean, they've, you know, they've got sevens teams and things. So yeah, my alternate proposal is um, working title of the Scottish rugby blog Pro Twenty, um, and it'll be, but it'll probably end up being sponsored by Guinness, um, split into two divisions. Um, of 10 and the second division would be probably the bottom two which could be Edinburgh or it could be the two Italian teams um, and then the likes of say Timisoara Saracens uh, a Georgian team maybe a German team Russians there was a few people on Twitter suggested that um, Belgium uh, Spain Portugal things like that you could probably find two teams and even maybe a, a third Scottish pro team um, and then you know obviously We'd, have, we'd then have promotion and relegation, which they always tell us is the reason why the Pro 12 is inferior to the top 14 and the Aviva Premiership. Um, whether the second level, the second level competition probably wouldn't be a draw here initially, for in terms of TV rights and stuff, but it probably would be in you know in the other countries. So it might be that they could get enough money to make it to make it a going concern i don't know I'd be interested to see what um see what guys think you know uh, comment on the on the blog post and for this podcast and let us know what your thoughts are yeah i mean i did wonder there's a lot obviously the um island all blacks that's a big crowd they got a soldier field but i wonder how many um what attendance you would get for the chicago innocent porpoises against Edinburgh. i mean you're hardly yeah. going to get the same crowd for that you're not, but what we could do is bring Gale Force back as the third go <laughs> yeah. That would be exciting. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I have to buy what Rory's saying. I don't think the USA is the answer. Uh, and, you know, we're not going to see Ryan Wilson being let through customs for various reasons um, to play against your irrelevant or poisons. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit fantastical. And, and Brody, what have you gone for your hands in the ruck this week? Um, I've got a kind of like middle-aged man rant about clickbait. It's doing my nothing. Um, you know, what this prop did next changed everything. Um, this 80-meter try just redefined rugby. And it's like, no, it didn't. No, it didn't. And actually all it is is an out-of-context, visually manipulative, overhyped piece of game footage that essentially just makes you click. Um, and I know I'm not saying anything that's particularly groundbreaking here, but, you know, half of the time you click on something and it's, you know, it's a, it's a statement from a board head coach at a union-sanctioned press conference, which enlightens nobody about anything. Or it's, you know, a high school game where some big fat kid's running over the head of everyone else. Um, it, it does my boxing. Um, stop it. <laughs> I've I've got one for you here. I've got one for you here, actually, Brody. Uh, I'm just looking through the Twitter feed, and there's a notification which, for some reason, 
it looks like uh, uh, we've been we've been mentioned in from Capital City Press. Um, and it's just an article, I guess, I'm not sure if it's an article they've come up with or it's one that they're just um, posting, but the actual, um, it's about Scotland flanker fears worst against Wales unless performance is better than in France. So I guess it's an interview with John Barkley talking about how they have to get better and blah, blah, blah. But the actual headline that's been lifted from the article is John Barkley insists Scotland will suffer another Six Nations defeat, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. <laughs> the, the other thing that this started to creep into rugby and I don't know if anybody else has noticed this is this sort of in the no tapping of nose especially on Twitter um, and, and I saw a few people earlier this week um, partly in reply to our Twitter feed and also another sort of saying oh I, I know the Richard Cockrell thing isn't happening um, and it happens a lot in football with people saying I've got a friend of a friend who works at an airport and they've just seen Ronaldo land in Prestwich so he's definitely signing for Rangers and it just seems to be creeping into rugby now it's not something I remember happening before um, or is this just am I just noticing it now do you think Ruri? Um, yeah I've seen a bit obviously the Rich Cockrell thing uh, there are a lot of rumours going around but I mean it only takes one person to say yeah I know this and if someone thinks that's even slightly credible people are going to believe it uh, I think Twitter just gives a platform for some people to express some completely ludicrous views. Oh, there was a there was another one actually on the um, comments, which almost made comment of the week, where some guy called Neil, no relation, I don't think, um, <laughs> said that uh, said that Magnus Bradbury had signed for Glasgow, and then someone called him on it and said, "Where where was that?" And he said, "Oh, I just I saw Scott Johnson in the pub." So he was clearly just having a laugh. But it's the thing, you know, you can you can put that on, and suddenly it started uh, started a debate. People are talking about it as if it's actually happening. It's um, a clickbait I, article. It's the, it's the, you know it's I mean? the fake can... news world. Yeah, you could put a clickbait headline up there. You know, Peter Wright to be new Edinburgh coach, and just send them to a comment on our blog. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, what we're stating is what's on the the news, but it's not wrong. It's just yeah. made you click. It just does me in. Sorry. That's fine. I might try. I, I might try something clickbaity for the title of the podcast this week. Yeah, good rant. <laughs> Irrelevant porpoises. Man, Ryan Wilson. Okay, uh, we're going to try a little new thing, given that we've got Ruri here, who is a referee. Um, it is Ru is the ref. Now, this is this. I, I will stress. Uh, I don't want any broadsheet newspapers suing us. This is not called "You Are the Ref." It's very different. It's Ru is the ref. Very, very sounds the same, but it's not. It's very different. Um, so, um, I've asked Ruri and Brody, and I've come up with one too, to come up with some scenarios to throw at Ruri to see if he can give us his uh, verdict on what should happen on the pitch. Um, if you haven't seen it, Ruri has done a bit for us about uh, the rules around Glasgow's controversial uh, karate, kid, karate Kid Sweep the Leg tactics against Munster. Um, that's worth a read. Um, Brody, do you want to throw your scenario scenario at uh, Ruri first? I've got four. And four, let's go. Ridiculous. Well, that, that's probably quite good because I, as I was a, a late substitution, um, like Sean Maitland, I haven't got, I haven't got one more. Just a question. But well, I've, that. I've got two-ish. So uh, let's well, have, let's have yours, Brody. Okay, Rory. What happens if a player vaults a tackle or a ruck, like leaps clean over the top of it? What do you call? If it's Jumping over a tackle, that would be a penalty against them. Uh, that's just dangerous play, and I think I've penalised that before. If it's over a ruck, um, tends to be that will go unnoticed. Uh, we've seen it a couple of times. A player, if they're about a metre out, will actually jump over the top and try and touch the ball over a try line. But jumping into a tackle is definitely dangerous play and simple penalty. Okay. This one's a real-life Brody, Brody can, I, can I just be clear? These, these aren't scenarios where you've been pinged for, are they? <laughs> <laughs> can neither confirm nor deny. No, they're not. They're just ones that I've made up in my childish mind. Okay. Uh, although this one is real. I actually saw this on... I was watching a, a women's game, uh, Melrose against Watsons, a while ago, and there was a line-out, and the Melrose number eight, she started screaming and ran off out of the set piece to the far touchline, and it turns out a flock of pigeons had come down to land, and she had an extreme phobia of birds. <laughs> How would you handle that? Um, you just have to take time off, get rid of the pigeons if they're interfering with play. Um, yeah, there's not, can't say that's ever happened to me. I've had a dog run on, but that's as close as I've ever had. Just have I mean, to get uh, time off, get rid of it, try and play on as quickly as possible. And she was easily their best player as well. I mean, you could literally just 
throw some birdseed down and she'd be away <laughs> every single time. It was, but that, that genuinely happened. Right, my next one is uh, a conversion. The ball's on the kicking tee and it deflates. <laughs> Player runs up, kicks it, it goes up into the air, catches the wind and blows over on the sort of flat side of the burst ball. What do you do? Um, I think display on unless it also if it crossed over the if it went over the crossbar, then that would count. If it's just not made it across at all, just have to. There's nothing you can do. He's made it. He started his run up, but he's kicked the ball and he's missed conversion. Probably get a new ball for the kickoff, I think. Okay. <laughs> What if a player glued a ball to his hand? <laughs> <laughs> well, we do actually have to do kit checks and check that they aren't breaking any laws. So if they, if we had noticed this before, that they'd be told to change it. If they actually came onto the pitch, still with glue in their hands, then they'd be given a red card. Mm. That's it. If you break any clothing laws, then you'll be given a red card if you come onto the pitch at the start of the match. There you go. Does that answer your questions, Brody? It does, but what if you're not sure if one of the players is actually human? <laughs> you know, if you're concerned, I mean, we're, we're both from the borders here, Rory. You know, <laughs> stick with me on this one. What if you're not sure? Well, I can, I can, I can make that scenario better. Is the um, the, the this? It was the um, J.K. Rowling um, story about the reason why wizards support Scotland is because the the brother of some wizards was a Muggle and he was also part giant, and he ended up playing for Scotland. So um, let's put that scenario up: um, part wizard, part giant uh, plays. I think I'll leave that to anti-doping control. To be honest. <laughs> Fair enough. Pretty sure if you put a pointy hat on Brian Allen Racy, you'd be pretty close. Well, on the on the borders point, I mean, given I'm, I'm from Selkirk, you've got Brodie from Langham and, and Ruri from Melrose. I, w- I just wanted to sort of show that it's not a cultural backwater with my scenario. Um, so, here we go. You've got a team kick to touch following a penalty, but the town sheep has wandered onto the pitch. <laughs> so the ball was heading it out, but it bounces off the sheep back into play, and the attacking team catches the ball and dashes under the post for the try. Does the try stand? Is the sheep out of play at the time? No, the, the, the sheep, the, the sheep, the town sheep is on the pitch now. I, I, obviously, understandably, you'd want to check the welfare of the sheep first. But but once you've done that, what what's what, what's is the try awarded? I think we'll probably just take a let retake the penalty kick. Um, as much as I'd like to see that happen in a game, uh, I can imagine that would be quite entertaining for everyone watching. I think we'll probably have to talk to that club's um, yeah, talk to the groundsman, make sure there's no sheep entering next time. Yeah, make sure the town sheep's tied up beforehand as well. Um, Are you boys familiar with the term cope at yo? <laughs> it rings a bell. <laughs> yeah, I think I've heard it before. So this is a, a, a pregnant sheep that has rolled onto its back and got stuck. So when I was younger, the ultimate test of strength was being able to tip a cope at yo. I think they should bring that back at strength and conditioning tests in the Scotland squad. We could suggest it to Richard Cockerell. It might be something you'd go for. I think he would. The cope at yo test. Basically, if any of his forwards can't tip a cope at yo, they can just get on their bikes. That should be his filtration process. There, there's, there's an insight into Langham training. I mean, this is, this is why there needs to be more borders, borders guys in the Scotland rugby setup. Yeah, I expect our conversation about Berwick props last week. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. it's simple. It's not rocket science. Please. It's not. No, it's 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 you know it's culture. It's culture. This is um this is how we bred players in the past, pushing over pregnant sheep. I bet beggars can tip a cope at you. Oh, I, I yeah, undoubtedly. Um, I've, I've got a genuine question though, uh, Ruri. Um, got a team uh, getting regularly bested in the scrum, but suddenly the majority of the front row uh, dropped to questionable injuries, so that has to go uncontested. Um, I've heard this happening quite a few times, and I'm wondering what you as the referee can do if you suspect gamesmanship, if it's just something you have to report, or whether you can demand to bring players back on. Yeah, well, I've seen that happen. It hasn't happened to me personally, but I've heard of it happening in sort of lower levels, Scotland club rugby. But, I mean, technically, there's nothing a ref can do. If a player said he's injured, you kind of have to let that go. It would be something you'd put... Um, every time a game goes on contested scrums, you have, the referee has to send a report to SIU. So I think that is something you'd mention. Um, sadly, that wouldn't really be in my control. But, yeah, it would definitely be reported on, I imagine, acted on later. Yeah, and and Rory, you had a question. You said not scenario. Well, this um, 
I would like to take the credit, but I, I can't. I, I te texted my old man, who is a former referee, in a panic and said, have you got a rules conundrum that will baffle the referee? But he's on holiday at the moment. So um, all he wanted to know was why do refs allow uh, squint scrum feeds and players diving on top of tackled players? Uh, I think for the scrums, it's just, I mean, I'm a fullback or wing whenever I play. I can't really be bothered with scrums. You imagine <laughs> if you're having, I, I've had one game where I've had 32 scrums. You just want to get the ball in and out and get play going as quickly as possible. I yeah. do tend to warn the scrum halves at the start just before and say, look, can we get the ball in straight? But if it's one of those games where we're having so many scrums because of tons of knock-ons or whatever, you kind of just want to get the ball in and out and stop wasting time with people doing scrums. I should also uh, point out that he's said that it's laws, not rules. So, Cam, you might have yeah. to listen back to this and replace any mention of the word rules. Or yeah, I'll, get, I'll get pelters. <laughs> that was the first thing we were taught on level one ref course is laws not rules i think it's been highbrow enough though is it not yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, well that's there's the title of the podcast laws not rules it's clickbaity enough um but are you refereeing this weekend Rory? i uh, no, i actually got a weekend off thankfully to watch scotland wales but i'm back on uni action next wednesday i think doing west of scotland and, and if someone uh, uh, someone mentions the podcast and what a fine job that we're doing and you're doing, um, do you know do you going to take it easy on them? Ah, I think we'll wait and see how they're doing in the game. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Okay, that's it from us for this week. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Scott Rugby Blog and to check out the blog www.scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. If you can, please do leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, you can also find us on Acast and SoundCloud. We'll be back next week with myself, John Anderson, Rory and Gav to review the Wales game. So until then, we'll see you later. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.